Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Um, we hope that you'll want to participate in this discussion that we have tonight. It's more of a discussion of what the Bible teaches on any particular thing than it is just preach a sermon, a monologue. So we want to hear from you. Um, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. While we're waiting on our first call, I thought we'd continue the discussion we had going last week. We were talking about exceptions in the Bible. We mentioned four or five different places thus far where we find exceptions to, we might say, general rules. The Bible may give a general rule, then it states an exception. Gave four or five of those last week. Let's talk about some more this week. First of all, how about 1 John 1, 9? Now, there's a lot of passages in the New Testament that say what a person that's never become a Christian has to do to become a Christian. For example, in Acts 2, verse 38, believers are told, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So a believer has to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. But what about after he becomes a Christian? He's going to sin after that. Of course, you get the forgiveness of all your sins when you're baptized, according to Acts 2.38, but you got to repent in order for that ba- baptism to mean anything. Repentance means you're making up your mind, you're committing that you're going to change your life in regard to sin. You're going to quit serving sin. You're going to start serving Christ. So after you become a Christian, hopefully you're going to sin a whole lot less than you did before you became a Christian. But nobody lives perfectly. Even after we become a Christian, though hopefully it's infrequent, we're going to sin. What do we do about our sins then? That's where 1 John 1, 9 comes in because that's not talking to a person that's not become a Christian yet. It's talking to somebody who's already born again who sins. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if here as a Christian, If we're willing to confess our sins, God will forgive us. And that's the rule. Now, he's not going to forgive you without confession. (laughs) No, it says if you confess them, he will forgive you. So a person that's just planning on continuing in his sin, he's not going to receive forgiveness. Is forgiveness available to him? Yeah, the the blood of Christ is available. Jesus died for everybody. But that blood is only applied when we confess. In the Old Testament, Proverbs 28, 13, put it this way, whosoever confesseth and forsaketh his sins, God will show mercy on him. So God is willing to show mercy on us. He's willing to forgive us if we confess, which implies that if we're not willing to confess, if we're not willing to forsake our sins, God won't forgive us. Now, that general rule, if we confess, God will forgive, it's, it's great. It's just a beautiful thing to have to know after you sin and you're sorry for your sins, you can express your remorse to God for that sin. He'll forgive you. But there is one exception to that rule. First John 1, 9 is talking about any sin. If you confess it, God will forgive you. But there's one exception to that. We find that in Matthew 12, 31 and 32. We usually call it the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Here's that passage. Jesus speaking says, Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, 
it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Do you see how the first part of Matthew 12, 31, which is all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven to men, is stating the exact same general rule as we find in 1 John 1, 9. Your sins can be forgiven. All sin can be forgiven. But then the second part of the verse shows there's an exception to that. All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men except the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Now, other passages tell us that you have to repent to be forgiven. We saw that in 1 John 1, 9. So Matthew 12, 31 is really saying all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men if they repent. Repentance there is understood based upon other passages. And so repentance should be understood in the B part of the verse also, the second part of the verse. The B part of the verse is giving the one exception to that forgiveness if you repent rule. All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but except the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So all manner of sin shall be forgiven if they repent, except the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven, even if a person repents is the idea. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. Again, the number to call if you want to go on the air, the lines are wide open with your Bible question or comment, 877-655-6755. So the general rule is any sin, God is willing to forgive if you're willing to turn from it, to confess it. There is one exception to that. If you commit the sin against the the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, that sin Matthew 12, 31 and 32 makes it clear you won't be forgiven, even if you repent. That's an exception to the general rule. We talked about four or five exceptions to rules last week, and there we see another one. Here's another one. 1 Peter 2, 13 says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. There's a general rule. There's a rule. It sounds like he's talking about every ordinance. We have to obey every law of the government, every single one of them. There is a class of exceptions, though. Acts 5.29, when they were, the authorities were trying to get Peter and the apostles to quit preaching, Peter said, and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. You see, so there is an exception to this general rule in 1 Peter 2.13 that we're supposed to submit ourselves to every ordinance of man. In other words, obey all the laws of the land, the speed limit laws, all the other laws. Obey all of them, except we find the exception. Acts 5.29, if they ask you to do something, if the law of the land, obeying it would cause you to violate God's law, then we're not supposed to obey that. That's the exception to the general general rule. You see how there's an exception to the rule? The rule is obey all the laws of the land. The exception is if the law of the land, obeying it would cause you to violate God's law, then don't do it. Penny from Oklahoma, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, my question is, what do you consider be blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So in Matthew 12, where we were quoting from, was 31 and 32, Penny, that's a good question. What was going on is the Pharisees saw Jesus performing a miracle. They agreed the miracle did indeed took place. They didn't deny that the miracle took place, but they said he did that by, instead of by the power of the Holy Spirit, he did it by the power of the devil. So if we do that same thing today, say we're reading the Bible, and we see a miracle performed by Jesus or one of the apostles, and we say, yes, that miracle did occur, but it was performed by the power of Beelzebub, the devil, 
then we would be committing the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That sin, you can't be forgiven for. Penny, does that make sense? Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate your call, Penny. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. Bye. You know, one of the... Uh, topics that we think of probably most often when we think of an exception is the topic of divorce and remarriage. Let's talk about that briefly. Luke 16, 18, Jesus said, whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband committeth adultery. So there's the general rule. If you divorce your wife and marry another woman, you commit adultery. That second marriage, Jesus calls it adultery. That's the general rule. There is one exception to that, though. We find that same general rule stated in Matthew 19, 9, but the exception, the one exception is given. Here's Jesus speaking again, very similar to Luke 16, 18, stating this general rule that divorce plus remarriage equals adultery, but he gives one exception. He says, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. So the general rule is if my wife divorces me and marries another man, she's committing adultery. Adultery is a sexual sin. That means in that second marriage, every time she sleeps with that man, they're committing adultery. It's an adulterous marriage. Jesus calls it that. Now, I know a lot of preachers will try to excuse that sin, but Jesus makes it crystal clear here that if you divorce and remarry, that second marriage is adultery. And if you want to repent of that to get forgiveness, you're going to have to get out of that second marriage. Now, there's one exception stated in Matthew 19, 9. If my wife were to cheat on me sexually with another man, then God, in Matthew 19, 9, gives me the right to divorce her. It says, for fornication, then I'm able to remarry without committing adultery. So if I divorce her for any other reason, she doesn't commit adultery, okay, then I can't divorce her scripturally. If I divorce her for any other reason and remarry, any other reason, doesn't matter what the reason is, because except for fornication means this is the one and only scriptural cause for divorce. If I divorce her for any other reason and remarry, that second marriage is called an adulterous marriage. That exception, though, means that if she cheats on me, I can divorce her for that cause and remarry without committing adultery. Let's, let's talk about how the exception works here. What does it mean except for? For example, we're talking about Matthew 19.9. Let's look at it in other passages. And by the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. John 3.3 3 says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does that mean? How, what's the force of the exception there? That means there's no other way to enter the kingdom unless you're born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot see the kingdom unless you're born again. There's no other way to get there. How about Luke 13, 3? Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That rules out all other ways to avoid perishing. We're going to be lost, perish because of our sins. Except we repent. There's the exception. If we repent, we're going to avoid the perishing. How about John 8, 24? Jesus said in the American Standard Version, except ye believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. So what's the force of the exception? There's no other way to avoid dying in your sin other than believing in Jesus. You see how the except works? 
Let's apply it to Matthew 19.9. So when Jesus says in Matthew 19.9, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication and shall marry another, committeth adultery. That rules out all other scriptural causes to divorce and remarry. If you put away your wife except for fornication and marry another, commits adultery. That means if you do it for any other reason, doesn't matter what the reason is, if it's any reason other than fornication and you remarry, that second marriage, Jesus calls it an adulterous marriage. Obviously, you can't stay in that marriage and still be pleasing to God. See how the exception works? We gives the general rule. The general rule is if you divorce and remarry, that's adultery. There's one exception to that. If you divorce for fornication because your spouse is cheating on you, then you have the right to divorce her. You have the right to remarry. Here's some other verses stating the same general rule besides Luke 16, 18. Mark 10, 11 says, Jesus said unto them, whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. You see, that's the same general rule. If you divorce and remarry, you commit adultery against your wife. It doesn't state the exception there. The exception is stated in Matthew 19, 9. How about Mark 10, verse 12? And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. You see, there's the general rule. No exception stated there. It's stated elsewhere. The general rule, divorce plus remarriage equals adultery. Same thing in Romans 7, 2, and 3. We'll look at that in just a minute. Judy from Washington, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yeah, when you were talking about adultery, what constitutes adultery? Like, for instance, if somebody's husband is watching porn, is that committing adultery? No, that's oh. called that's committing adultery in your heart, but it's not the sin of adultery that God allows people to divorce their spouse for in Matthew nineteen nine. Adultery okay, in the heart. Having... Oh, go ahead. Adultery in the heart. And literal physical adultery are two different things. Let me, let me illustrate that real quick and I'll get to your next question. I'm turning okay. over to First John. You go ahead while I'm turning to First John. Go ahead. Um, yeah, like what if somebody's having any, like a online affair, you know, where it's not physical, but it's just, let's say it's emotional. Yeah, that's not or, adultery. That's not adultery. Okay. Our society may talk about it that way, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Let me illustrate here. First John three fifteen says, "Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer." Okay. Well, we mm -hmm. might say, "Well, that's like murder in the heart." You didn't actually literally kill the person, but when you hate your brother, you're murdering them in your heart. But you know, mm -hmm. like for example, in the Old Testament, if you murdered somebody, there's the death penalty. We have that in America today. If you murder somebody. Mm -hmm. You're subject to the death penalty, same way in the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, if you hated somebody, even though that was murder in the heart, there weren't you weren't subject to the death penalty. It was considered a different sin. Murder in their heart, okay. in the heart, was a different sin than actual murder. Actual mm -hmm. murder, they were put to death. Murder in the heart, they were not. Same way with adultery in the heart. Matthew 5, verse 28 talks about that. That's a sin. But it's not the sin that Jesus says you can put your spouse away for in Matthew nineteen nine. Okay, Judy, go ahead. Yeah, that, yeah, that was that. Yeah, I just wasn't sure yeah. if that was considered adultery or not. Let, let me read a verse to you. Let's see what you think. Hebrews thirteen verse four. The Bible says, "Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled." But the sexually immoral and adulterers, God will judge. Now, what that tells us is, is that 
Adultery is something you do in the bed, not over the internet, not just by looking at porn. It's something you do in the bed. Like in John 8, they brought a woman to Jesus who was caught in the act of adultery. What, mm-hmm. what, what do you think she was doing when they caught her, Judy? Um, if she was committing adultery, it's in the bed. Yeah, they caught her in the act of adultery. Now, now it's wrong to look at pornography. That's a sin. Okay. Right. And mm-hmm. it's wrong to carry on, a, I guess you would say, kind of like dirty talk over the internet with another sper- person. Kind of like having, mm-hmm. effect, you said, having an affair over the internet. That's wrong. But mm-hmm. it's not what that woman was caught in. She was caught having intercourse with another, with a man other than her husband. Adultery okay. is a sin you commit in the bed. So if your spouse, gets in bed and has sexual intercourse with another person, then you have the right to divorce her, divorce him for that reason. Matthew 19, 9, Jesus gives that permission. But at the same time, he says, you can't divorce your spouse for any other reason. That's what the force of the exception is. You follow me, Judy? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. Judy, you had a great question. Please keep listening to the program every chance you get. I do. One thing about this question is, the question you asked, I'm pretty sure a lot of other people would want to know the answer to that same question. So it's a great question because when we answer that question, maybe a thousand other people are getting the answer to the question they had in their mind, too. You see what I mean? Yes. Yes, I thank, do. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for your call, Judy. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Romans 7, verses 2 and 3 also states the general rule, just in a different way. It says, for the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Well, that's really stating the same general rule that Luke 16, 18 stated. Look, here's a woman that's married to another man while her original husband is still alive. If that's true, she should be called an adulteress. For example, if my wife divorces me because of, let's say, for incompatibility, and she's married to, an, and then she marries another man. Well, if I'm still alive, Romans 7, 2, and 3 says that relationship she has with that other man, even though the state of Alabama may say it's okay for her to marry him, they may say that, but God calls it adultery. He said she, he, God says that she's bound to me, bound meaning obligated, as long as I live, so that it doesn't matter how many states give her a divorce, because <laughs> they'll give a divorce for just about any reason. If she remarries another man while I'm still alive, Romans 7 says it's adultery. And there's only one exception to that. If she divorces me because I'm cheating on her, then she's allowed to remarry without committing adultery. I hope you can see that. Chris from Florida, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, I want to know if you can explain uh, Hebrews 10.14 for me, please. Well, Hebrews 10.14 says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now, what is it about that you want me to explain? You, don't, well, you know, the, the contrast being made here, Chris, is that it took, in the Old Testament, they had to offer a lot of animal sacrifices. They would offer an animal sacrifice for this sin, particular sin. And then at the end of the year, they'd have to offer the animal sacrifices again for the same sin. The contrast here is, no, it's only going to take one 
offering, one sacrifice, uh, it only takes one time. Uh, Hebrews uh, verse 9.26 says, For then must often he have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Verse 28 says, Christ was once offered to bear the sin of many. So it only takes one sacrifice to get the forgiveness of sin of all people for all time. Of course, we're only talking about the people that trust and obey Jesus are the only ones that take advantage of that. That's what's going on, I think, in Hebrews ten fourteen. It only takes one sacrifice. So does that mean that um, all Christians that are, that are under the blood of Jesus and um, not Adam, um, anytime we sin, uh, we, 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 we've been forgiven for our sins, uh, past, present, and future? Already? No, it's in, no. You're never forgiven for a sin in the future. That's that's kind of like the Catholics offering selling indulgences. Remember, one of the reasons Martin Luther got started the Reformation movement because the Catholics were selling the right for a man to go commit adultery against his wife. If you'll give us a thousand dollars donation, then we'll say it's okay for you to commit adultery in the future. You can't do that. You can never be forgiven for a sin in the future. We even as a Christian. We have to repent of our sins to be forgiven. First John 1, 9, which we started out with tonight. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's written to Christians. And it says you've got to confess your sin. You've got to be willing to turn from them in order to be forgiven for them. The blood of Christ is available. But only those who trust and obey take advantage of the blood of Christ. You follow me, Chris? Okay, I understand. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate your call, Chris. We're going to have to go off the air in just a little while, but I think we have enough time for one more caller. If you want to call us, get on the air with your Bible question or comment. The number to call is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. There's another verse that states this exception to the, the divorce law other than Matthew 19.9. It's Matthew 5.32. Jesus speaking here, he says, whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced commits adultery. So Matthew 5.32 is very similar to Matthew 19.9, but it's different than Matthew 19.9 in that it is stating divorce by itself is wrong. The person who's getting the divorce, his remarriage is not even mentioned in this passage. It's stating that, that if you get a divorce for any reason other than fornication, you commit sin, even if you never remarry. It is the stating the general rule plus the one exception. If you get a divorce, and re, divorce, it's wrong. But if you divorce for fornication, that's not wrong. So the general rule for no departing, divorce or separation, is stated elsewhere, not just Matthew 5.32. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says, and unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. That's the general rule. The wife is not to leave her husband. That's the rule. The only exception to that is that she divorces him for fornication. She can't leave him for any other reason. Matthew 19, 6 states the general rule. Wherefore, they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So God joins together. Two people were getting scripturally married. Say two people have never been married before. They get married. That's a scriptural marriage. God joined them together. Let not man put asunder. That's the general rule. 
It's a command not to separate, not divorce. Let not man put asunder. There is one exception to that, Matthew 5.32. If they cheat on you sexually, then you may divorce them for that reason. Another verse that states states the same general rule, 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. The emphasis here is dwelling with them according to knowledge, but it's impossible to dwell with your wife according to knowledge if you're not dwelling with her. So the command ends up being, first, you dwell with her. That's the command. If you quit dwelling with her, you're violating this verse. There's one exception to that. Matthew 5, 32 gives it. If she cheats on you sexually, then you may quit dwelling with her because she cheated on you sexually. Other than that, you, it's till death do us part. Divorce, marital separation is wrong except for fornication. If you'd like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free Bible study, 256-682-9753.